The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you joining us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. My goodness, I hope that definition brings you this sense of just balance the way that it does me, a knowing that whatever is going on in your life right now, no matter how you're judging it, no matter what your ego is telling you about it, that it is part of peace, it's whole, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality, and to know that it will not break you. You have been designed for such a time as this. You do have what it takes. You will have the resources that you're looking for. The answer will come out of you and flow into your external world. So can you even imagine embracing a life of peace every day? Hmm? Can you imagine that? Well, I'm here to tell you that, yes, it's possible to have everyday peace. Yes, you deserve everyday peace, wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. And yes, you can have it. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And today is no exception. We have a fabulous guest lined up for you today. And before we get to our guest, I want to tell you about a free giveaway that's happening right now. It is on my website. It's five steps to getting completely clear on your purpose and passions. Can you imagine Waking up and just knowing that this is what I'm designed to do at this phase in my life, at this season in my life, right? Because we evolve, we change. The mission is the mission, but our passions evolve. But right now, waking up with a sense of clarity that is so important to your happiness and to your joy. So right now, if you go to my website and just put in in the tagline there in the subject line, free gift, Um, I will give you access to a free course, five steps to getting completely clear on your passions and your purposes. And my website address is info at Dr. D.R. Dravon, D-R-A-V-O-James.com. Also want to tell you about another free resource, another free resource, which is online education, right? We can, they say school is never out for the pro and there are many ways to enhance our learning and going to an online university is one of them. So I happen to be teaching a course at this online university, but it's called the 2020 Clarity course. But there are lots of spectacular courses at this online university entitled 
the Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning International. And right now, guess what? They're offering free courses. So if you were ever thinking about, hey, I would like to go back to school or I would just like to, I'm interested in learning something new. They have a wide range of courses. Please check them out. There may be something there for you and you can take advantage of the wonderful free opportunity. So I promise you that we have a fabulous guest today and we absolutely do. Dr. Patty Ashley, international workshop presenter, best-selling author, speaker, psychotherapist, and authenticity architect brings unique insight into the identification and treatment of trauma, shame, grief, and dysfunctional family patterns. Her signature model of authenticity architecture creates long-term changes in the brain and central nervous system, breaking through barriers to personal freedom and authentic growth and excavating the truth of self-love, belonging, and connection. Everything about your bio Dr. Patty Ashley makes me just fall in love over and over again because who would not want to live in this space? Welcome to the Everyday Peace Show. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Trayvon. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> oh, I'm, so exci- I'm so excited about our topic today. I got to tell you, I've been talking about it with everybody because self-love is something that I'm really big on. It changed my life when I discovered that I was worthy of loving and I was the person who was waiting to be loved by me. So amazing discovery that changed the trajectory of my life. I want to start just um, by getting to know, letting our listeners get to know you a little bit. How did you first decide that this is what I want to do with my life. I want to go into these dark places of people's souls and help them discover joy. Yeah, that's a great question. Why would anybody do that? Um, (laughs) I I think, you know, we all, you know, they they say say the studies of resiliency show that people who have um, a purpose, uh, giving back from their experiences of pain and trauma, are the most resilient, and so I think a lot of us who go into this work really are the resilient ones who are really wanting to give back. Um, My story is I lost my father to a sudden heart attack when I was 11 years old, and I was raised in a pretty strict Catholic family where the storyline was, he's in heaven, and you need to go back to school, and we're all going to, you know, move on with our lives, and it was so traumatic for me because he was like my best friend. He was my buddy, and um, it was hard, and I tried not to talk about it. So in high school, I said um, to the guidance counselor, I said, I I know what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a psychologist. And she said, you're not smart enough for that because I wasn't a great student because I was a little depressed because I lost my father, you know, a few years prior. So I put off becoming a psychologist and took a winding road, but it led me to a lot of different experiences that really enhanced my work uh, as an authenticity architect. So I ended up going into special education to work with kids with emotional disorders, and I did that for about eight years. And then I studied with a really well-known woman in Virginia Beach, Virginia, called Catherine Kersey, and she'd written three parenting books. I was raising my little children at the time and wanted to learn everything I could about being a good parent. And so she offered me a teaching assistantship in the early childhood program, suggested I do parent education for pediatric group. So I was able to do that, and I still wanted to be a a psychologist, so I went back and I got my Ph.D., and I've been licensed as a 
professional counselor here in Colorado now for 20, 20 years. Um, but through my work in the schools and my work in parent education really informed the work that I do as a psychotherapist. So, you know, I think even though it was a winding path to get where I wanted to be, it was, it was uh, rich and resourceful and allowed me to create um, this model that I use in my work with people to help them reclaim their authentic self. Yeah, what I love there, and I got to tell you, I he, this is a running theme, so I hope our listening order, audience gets this. Uh, what I hear in your story is what I hear so often in everyone's story, including my own, is that something painful happened. Mm-hmm. And you you had a choice. We always have a choice when pain happens. And, and you go through the, you know, I hear, you know, you were a troubled teen, you were depressed, who wouldn't be, right? And you go through all of those mo- emotions and those phases that happens when something traumatic happens in your in your life. But at some point you had a choice and you said, okay, I still have all this pain and I can continue. We don't say this consciously, but I believe somewhere in this programming of ours, this is happening. I can continue to let this pain eat me alive or I can decide that I'm going to eat and feed others with this. And so I'm going to use this to build a platform for service, right? So you lost your dad and all of that. And then from all of that, this is born and, and not even the discouragement of a school counselor, uh, you know, led you astray, which is amazing because not everyone makes that decision. And there's no judgment in my statement, but not everyone makes that decision. Sometimes we get to a point in our pain and our trauma um, where we just get stuck in all oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not easy to live an authentic life. And, you know, when I say those words, authenticity architect, you know, they're, they're powerful words and they require a lot of um, commitment to really asking yourself uh, the deeper questions and really being honest. And I think, you know, that's the thing that really inspired me the most is as a kid thinking, why does nobody want to talk about this? Something really bad has happened. There's, you know, and, and I think, you know, nature, nurture, you know, they say how much of it is, you know, what we're born with and how much of it is our environment. And I think it's both. So I just was born a curious kid. You know, I, I was just always wanting to figure things out. And so this was a pretty big thing to figure out when you're 11 years old and you're told your father's in heaven and you should be happy. And that doesn't, like, feel like the truth to me. <laughs> um, it is in some ways a truth because, you know, on a spiritual level, whatever we might believe in, I, you know, I've come to believe that we don't know. It's a mystery, whatever happens after we die. But I finally let that one go. But, you know, what I do realize is that it's bigger than, than us and we can't know. But there is some comfort in um, knowing that our loved ones – you know, somehow in in their essence or spirit still stay with us, I believe. Um, but we just, we just really, I really believe it, it's important to talk about these things more than we do. And a lot of people get really uncomfortable with these conversations because they're hard ones to have. Well, especially when you have questions from children, right? I can remember, I also lost my dad when I was very young. And... I remember having so many questions that maybe, you know, I'm 
I'm just a child. I'm experiencing my own pain, but the adults are also experiencing their pain and they're going through their processes. And, you know, um, they don't have the infrastructure necessarily necessary to support them. So sometimes suppression is the best tool that they have at the time. And then there's this kid who has one question after another question. And wait a second. I, okay, so you answered that. But then what about this? And what kind of God does this? And and I I think as a mom now, you know, so, so easy when I wasn't a mom to say, oh, well, if my mom had done this, if she had done that. But then when you become a, a mom, uh, um, I have a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old, and I cringe when I look back, I'm like, did I do these things right? And I know you you, you have a whole program and, and you talk about mothering a lot as well, but I think it's, uh, I don't know if anyone gets out of childhood is what I'm saying without scars. I think we all reach, at least everyone that I've known, myself included, my children included, unfortunately, reach adult with some degree of unfortunate events that were handled in unfortunate ways. Yeah, I mean, luckily we're all pretty resilient and there's a lot of um, opportunities for repair in ruptures and relationships. But I think what we're cleaning up right now is some of the old antiquated beliefs of, you know, children should be seen and not heard, Uh, children should um, be servants to adults, too much attention to kids is not good. beat the devil out of kids, kids having temper tantrums at two are possessed by the devil. This all came out of some 18th century um, child-rearing texts that Alice Miller quoted in her book, For Your Own Good. And so that was a huge aha for me when I realized how much that's in our DNA because we know that we're carrying now 14 generations of ancestral DNA. And so that goes way beyond the 18th century, before the 18th century. So we're carrying a lot of these old beliefs. And what I learned, the reason I wrote my book, Living in the Shadow of the Two Good Mother Archetype, it was my doctoral dissertation because I had been doing the parent education in pediatric, in the pediatric group for five years. And there was this sense of shame that women, particularly, were the ones coming to the class. Um, got, had very few men, and the men that came said they were usually there because their wife made them come. But this was back in the 90s. Things have changed some, but we still have, you know, a long way to go. But to clean up those old beliefs, we have to really, like I was saying earlier, ask ourselves some really honest questions, some deep questions, and, and be honest with ourselves. And a lot of those old patterns are in our Um, unconscious repetition and that's the harder part about creating an authentic self because by the time we're seven everything gets set up in our body memory and we're kind of like Bruce Lipton calls it we're like in a hypnotic trance so everything we do is what we learned early on in our brain development and our social emotional development and so Yes, I do believe none of us have perfect families. My joke used to be when I went into parent education that, you know, um, if I believed in reincarnation, I was going to teach parents how to do it well, so maybe I'd be reincarnated several generations from now and to a family that got it right. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That was my joke, you know, because none of us are getting it right, and we're still not. And so I wrote the book, Living in the Shadow of the Two Good Mother, because what happened is it flipped. So then women started putting all that pressure on themselves because now they're reading all the new books on what you're supposed to do rather 
instead of what you know our parents and grandparents did and 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 they couldn't seem to get it right they couldn't seem to and i've probably at this point i could say thousands of women coming in and telling me the same story i don't know what's wrong with me everybody else seems to be able to do this mother thing but me no you're not the only one trust me here's what's going on so yeah i mean i think what's happened is women internalize it and make it feel like it's something they're doing wrong, which goes into the neurobiology of core shame, which is a book that I just finished writing. It's coming out in July for therapists um, because we, we have a neurobiology that says I'm not good enough. So then moms who have this instinctual wanting to be, you know, a good mother kind of trying to figure out how to do it based on what they're reading, but yet the biology is I'm not enough, and so it just kind of spirals into itself, if that makes sense. I know I'm not probably not describing it. Oh, it, it, no, it actually does make sense. It's almost like we have this faulty wiring, and mm-hmm. I, I definitely see it in myself and, and work have worked so diligently and continue to work. Let me just tell you, it is it is passion work, but it is work, work, work. You probably know that from dealing with people like myself. But and not, you know, being a mom, I can say reinforced all of the insecurities that I had about my capabilities. And at some point I had to turn that around for myself. You know, so funny, I'm sitting in my office space now and I have a posted here on the mirrors. I am enough. I know enough, right? In this state right now, I am worthy. And I, and I started reciting that to myself. My daughter's 20 now, probably when she was like two and a half years old and just going through that process because saying to myself, every sometime I'd read one article, the next article, article would conflict with the other article. And I'm just spinning saying, okay, I've got to trust that I know how to do this. And, you know, of course, trying to do it with perfection and just realizing this is what I have to give right now. But I want to discuss this title that really fascinated me is the um, authenticity architecture. Mm-hmm. Everything about that title, uh, for me, authenticity, my tr- getting to the truth and the core of it and architecture for, for this is me saying, I, I want to hear what you meant by the title. But when I think of that, I think of finding uh parts of myself and then being able to build, create the best Drayvon possible. <laughs> so, and that's what really, when, when I um, heard that title, it just made me smile. I'm like, oh, wow. So what did you intend with, with, for us to take away from as, as readers when we heard the title? Yeah, that's pretty close. It's not spot on. And that's good because marketing is not my thing. So coming up with language sometimes to describe what I do has always been an edge for me. So when that all came together for me a few years ago, it was really a culmination of, like I said, my work as a special educator and a parent educator and a psychologist where, you know, I realized that this sense of authenticity is what we really want rather than a sense of feeling like we need to conform to what everybody else wants us to be. One of my mentors, I don't know if you, I know you're on the East Coast, if you ever heard of Catherine Kersey at Old Dominion University back that way. Um, She was such a sweet, sweet friend and um, mentor and the graduate program director of early childhood at the university. I would go out and do a lot of lectures for her in the community when I was working with her back in the 90s. And um, 
one of her quotes that I always like to share is, children come into the world very much like a packet of seeds with no cover on the front. And it's our job very much like a gardener's to provide the adequate water, air, nutrition, and light to raise that seed to its highest potential. It's not our job to try and raise a rose into a carnation or a carnation into a rose. And I think that um. we're all born with an essence, back to the nature nurture. Everyone's unique. I have four grown children all in their 30s now, and every single one of them is completely unique. And I see an expression on their face that I saw the day that they were born, and you can probably relate to this, having children yourself. So, you know, there's an essence that we're all born with, and it's our job as parents is to nurture that. But these old antiquated belief systems were to talk kids out of it, to make kids be what the adults thought they should be. There was no dialogue or openness around who is my child. Is this a rose or a carnation? I'm going to be curious and watch this little person grow. So what happened is what Donald Winnicott, a really famous um, child psychiatrist, said, you know, that we develop a false self. When we're able to be whatever the seed, the natural being is, is developed to its highest potential, we develop a true self. But when that gets shut down, we start to create something that we think everybody else wants us to be, and we create a false self. So I think many of us, if not, I can't say all, but a lot of people are really walking around with this idea of who they are based on what everyone told them they ought to be. So authenticity, and so then it creates a sense of shame. There's always this I'm not enoughness, I'm not good enough, why can't I get it right kind of feeling that's also in our neurobiology, which is a whole other discussion. But the, the reason I came up with authenticity architect is because my early childhood mentor, Dr. Kersey, would always say, you know, for every behavior you don't want, look for something you do want. So I kept thinking, well, we don't want this not enoughness. We don't want this shame. What do we want? And what do we want is we want to be our authentic self. We want to find that little original seed and be able to repair, replant, regrow, restructure. And then I thought it's kind of like remodeling a house. So like I have a client who has a historical home in Boulder and you know, you have to keep certain parts of the historic home um, when you do a remodel, and then you get to pick, you know, the new fixtures and, and the new things you want. So I thought, well, it's kind of like architecture in a sense as we recreate our, our authentic self where we're like we have to leave some of the parts. <laughs> we can't get rid of it all. There's some parts that are historic and important and genuine, and we, we dig up what is it, that those parts are and what are the parts that maybe you need a little upgrade. And that's often just the architecture. And it's not a quick and easy fix. It's, it's a process of really looking at some of the old beliefs, you know, challenging them, again, telling the truth to ourselves, looking at, um, you know, like the word familiar, what's familiar. If you break it down in two words, it's um, family liar. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Yeah, if we look at some of the things we were told growing up, we might see that they weren't necessarily our our personal truth, but they're familiar, and so we keep doing them over and over and over. Now, as I hear you say that, and thank you for saying it so clearly, as I hear you say that, and I put on my mommy hat, and I and I and I love this. The you know I, t- I just jotted down a quick note: the false self versus the true self, right? Because the false self is who we as, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say me. I don't want to speak for anybody else. Me as a mom, when I remember uh, when my children were little, 
And so you would maybe see, well, not so much when they were little, but maybe those middle school years, (laughs) you would see behavior poking out that you thought, maybe this may be a bit concerning and let's squash this before it becomes, you know, a a part of who they are. But as I'm listening to you, I got to say that I had this little uh, sensation in my gut. Oh, there's another one (laughs) that you shouldn't have done, you know, and nothing really pops in my head right now, except for, you know, what little boy doesn't love to waddle away hours and hours and hours and hours on video games and just cannot be turned away. And I was that mom who said, you know, well, during the week, there'll be no video games, there'll be no this. And even though I know what you're talking about here is deeper than that, but I think sometimes as a mom, I had, I was hypercritical of myself and everything that I did thinking, would this cause my children to have a poor self image of themselves because of their mom's behavior or me trying to manipulate, you know, anything of that nature. And how, how, what, what, what is the advice for a mom? How do you know when to just nurture this seed because it doesn't need any molding and sculpting by you. How do you know when just to stop and just just watch this behavior? Just come, just become curious without becoming fearful that oh my goodness, now there goes a lazy individual. If we don't squash this out really quickly. Right, right. There's so much to tease out. I don't think there's an easy answer for that. And I think what happened is we went from the authoritarian par- per- punitive parenting systems, you know, like I described. Mm-hmm. The pendulum swung in the 60s, 70s over to the permissive, you know, where we didn't want to do that, so we did the opposite, which is really repeating the same thing. And so the harder part is, so like, if you put limits on video games, that's important because, you know, the, the uh, quote, spare the rod, spoil the child, that we all know all too well, and we still argue about spanking, um, it was a misinterpretation of the biblical text because what the text was really saying is, spare the rod, which is the boundaries around the pasture that held the sheep. It wasn't the rods to beat the sheep. It was, it was boundaries. So kids really need boundaries. And, and, and I think the permissive parenting went way too far the other way, and kids didn't feel safe there either because they were like, well, I need some sort of guidance. Now, I may not want you to tell me what to do, but... Uh... Oh, we're going to come right back after this break. I love that spare the rod means... Bear the boundaries, spoil the child. This is Dr. Drayvon James with Everyday Peace and our wonderful guest, Dr. Ashley Pat. More after this break. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. This is Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James and our fabulous guest, Dr. Patty Ashley, who is a therapist. And we're talking about today the authenticity architect. And, you know, we we left off with talking about uh, this false self versus the true self and then these boundaries and i love this uh, interpretation which 
really seems very accurate. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Most of us remember that as a justification for spanking, right? But in, in this this really fresh concept, it's really talking about if you spare boundaries, this ruins a child because we all know that boundaries help anyone feel safe. You know, these you know that when you bump up against this boundary, you know, you this uh, you are gently nudged back into the safe circle and it helps with developing your behavior. So that's a good place to be. And we think about the rod being these boundaries. I love I love that that visual. I want to jump to a question that we have and um, we have a caller on the line. So I'm going to stop my question, get the caller really quickly. And then I'm going to come back to this really question that some other uh, caller who couldn't be on the line asked me, but we'll take our live caller first. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm with our fabulous guest, Dr. Ashley, Ashley Patty. How are you today? Oh, great, great. Another great show, Dr. James. And oh, so thank you. Have, uh, the question I have for your uh, guest is, she's talking about um, your false self, but how does one get rid of um, one's false self. How how do you do that? Uh, what's the process for that? I'm sure it's not um, a very simple one, but I, I'd like to know, and I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you for being an everyday peacemaker. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good question. It's it, And it's not easy, and I'm not sure that we ever get rid of the false self. It's almost like we domesticate it a little bit, like we, we pay attention to it and we give it, we give it some attention and we go, you know what, I mm-hmm. think that we're going to just sit over here for a little while and, and we're going to develop these other parts of ourselves um, instead because, you know, that false self actually was, worked for us in a lot of ways. You know, it's the stories that we make up about ourselves that are all the stories that help us try and feel lovable and feel like we're worthy of love and belonging. And so we don't necessarily get rid of the false self. We we reconstruct it, like I was talking about reconstructing the house. It's like which parts, you know, maybe sort of fit, which parts don't. Um, But, again, we have to get honest and ask ourselves those questions. And the hard part is sometimes we don't want to upset the people who, you know, told us that we needed to be those certain things. And so we continue to, to, um, to live that false self because we don't want to upset everybody else, which is part of the story. I can't upset other people. I better do what they want me to be or otherwise I may be, you know, kicked out of the tribe. You know, um, somebody told me once, you know, the reason our families push our buttons so much is they're the ones that installed them. So, I love that. <laughs> so sometimes we're really afraid, and part of the story is I don't want to upset the family. I don't. I don't. I. You know what? What will they say? What will they do? So I use a excavation exercise all the time with my clients, and it's it's a simple little exercise to do in each situation that comes up that maybe um, brings up some emotions where. We, um, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, and usually we want to respond in, in certain ways that are familiar, either like avoiding or lashing out or people-pleasing. Those are, you know, three of the general ways that we respond to things that get our goat, so to speak. 
And um, so we want to look at the situation. I call it taking a deep sea dive. And I use the word C, S-E-A, as an acronym to remember the parts of this. So the first part is the situation. So when you get, when you're feeling a little upset over something that just happened, and this is on my website too, pattyashley.com, under resources, emotional skill builders, I have a bunch of worksheets. Um, and you just write down what, um, what the situation is in observable, repeatable, countable terms, such as, you know, when you got um, upset with me the other day because I came home late and you told me I was inconsiderate and, you know, I don't care about anybody but myself or I'm making all this up. I don't know. Probably not the best example, but that's the situation. I'm not just saying, you know, when you were angry the other day or when you were grumpy, I'm saying specifically this is what you said or this is what happened. That's the S and the C. And then the E is, let's, well, let's, let's write down what emotions come up in, in, in that situation. And most people can't identify too many emotions because, again, we didn't learn this. And so I have a, a worksheet on my website with about probably 50 different emotions and you know, I ask people to go under anger, frustrated, um, sad, annoyed. Those are usually the feelings that people will say when I say, how are you feeling? That's what they'll say. I say, okay, well, those are, those are valid and they're, they're top-level feelings. Let's take a deep sea dive into something more. And so then we get to abandoned, abused, misunderstood, um, unloved, unlovable, those sorts of feelings, and then you can you know when you're feeling them because you feel it. You know you 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 read the word and you go, oh, that's it, right? But if you don't look, if you, if you don't give yourself the opportunity to look at a sheet like that, you're going to just stick with the top level anger, annoyed, yada yada yada. And then the next part is to come up with what is your aspired action, and this is important to keep in mind that it's not necessarily what you're you can't be attached to the outcome. So in my situation that I just described, my hypothetical example, it might be something like what I would prefer is that you and I could have conversations more respectfully. That would be my aspired action. What would I prefer? Or, you know, maybe what we ought to do is come up with a schedule of our, you know, what our time, you know, that we're coming or, or going to be together or not be together so, you know, we have more clear communication. But we can't, again, be attached to the outcome. And this, so what happens is people lose touch with the, the, these parts of themselves, their feeling part and their aspired action, because they, one, they've never really learned about feelings. It's not a, a normal conversation in most families. It's, it's starting to be more and more, which is good, but we have a long way to go. And two, we've, we've given up on what we really want because, again, I don't want to upset people around me. I'm not going to get that. It's impossible, yada, yada, yada. So you want to give yourself permission to really look at those things and keep them for what they are for yourself because what I use is an I statement, which was developed for nonviolent communication. And what I found is I statements often don't work in communication one-on-one -on -one unless you have a third party mediating because people get emotionally dysregulated and, and, and it just doesn't have a good outcome. So what I realized working with them is that it really was more helpful to have people do it for just for themselves without any attachment to outcome 
And then they start reclaiming their authentic self because it's like, oh, these are my feelings. Oh, this is what I really want. Oh, this is interesting. But, you, again, you can't be attached to the outcome because that can create a whole other set of feelings that come up around disappointment and and all the other things around not getting what you want. But it doesn't mean you can't eventually get what you want. It just means you're looking at the present moment because the point of power is in the present moment. So you want to look at what's happening right now and give yourself permission to feel what you feel and want what you want and also detach from necessarily getting it in that particular moment, but really owning. That's how we get our power back. It was a long answer, but I hope I answered your question. Well, you know what? You have just done a very thorough answer for the question that I had for someone who asked me off the air, texted me this question, how can you discover, um, how can you develop self-awareness? And you just went through this wonderful deep sea dive, which I think is amazing, which leads me to some questions about the deep sea dive, because I think this is really great. And I just want to reiterate it as I understood it. Hopefully some listeners, um, are still taking some notes because this is really some top level tips to getting to become more self-aware, which I believe is one of the fundamental things that needs to happen for you to express love. It's for you to be aware. You got to get to know yourself. If you're going to have a relationship with somebody, the first thing that you're going to require if they want to be with you is that they get to know you. So you got to get to know yourself. And I think this uh, being able to tell the story of what happened and um, it was really writing really fast, but I guess observable, repeatable, accountable uh, way of telling the story. But these emotions were amazing to me. And I just want to tell you that I've been doing like work on myself for years. Not ashamed to say it because I love Trayvon and she's worth it. But it is so true that we get, we have these top surface level emotions that we, if we stop there, we won't get to who and what we really, what's really driving this engine. And so for years of working on myself, I discovered that there was a lot of abandonment issues, which caused me to feel the constant state of fear and sadness over everything, because underneath there was, you know, this, this running theme that if this person is too angry, I'll be abandoned. And, you know, and I know a lot of that has to do with, you know, you lose a, ch- a parent early on and all of that. But so I think there's so much uh, value in getting to those other emotions. But the action is where I have a question. When you write this um, action out and you're not attached to the outcome, I love that because sometimes that would prevent me and maybe many other people from really being truthful about what it is that we want. Because there's a part of us that's saying, you're not going to get it, so don't even worry about ex- expressing that. I don't um, water that that desire down a little bit and maybe you can get this instead of that when you your heart really wants something else and when you're attached to the outcome you won't write it because you just feel like it's not going to happen but so I love this you know uh, write this down don't attach to the outcome in this deep sea dive is this something that you I know you're doing this exercise at least I believe you're doing it alone is this share with the other yeah, it can be at some point, but I, I recommend um, unless you're, you've really worked hard with your emotional regulation that you have a third-party mediate, a counselor, mediator, coach, or something like that 
to have the conversation with the other person because, you know, it, it's not going to work well when the other person starts yelling or, you know, gets upset and doesn't. Because then the other end is reflective listening, you know. And so when I work with couples and families, I use this a lot, you know, and just listen here. How do you listen to what the other person said and not try and fix it? Um, so, yeah, it can be used with the other person, and some, some of my clients do, and they're, they're at that point where they can. But more importantly is, is we want to reclaim our authentic self. We want to we give ourselves permission to look because we're trying to write a different story and we're trying to do something new, something that's really never been done before, and I think that's what makes this hard. I mean, we live in a world unlike any other world we've ever lived in before on many levels, you know, our media, our technology, education, modern conveniences, lifespans are longer, and now we're in the middle of the pandemic, and, you know, what's going on with racism and, you know, injustice and imbalance of power and, you know, so many things right now that, to me, it's absolutely important for each individual to ask themselves those questions because, if we don't, we don't. We we just end up getting lost in in uh, you know in in other people's ideas and opinions instead of really looking at what we authentically want in our lives. And again, we may not get it in that moment, but we're creating a story. It's like it's like picking out the color you want to put on the canvas. Today, I want to paint it with a little bit of blue, right? And because I really like this shade of blue. And that's what each each deep sea dive does for us. It's like helps us identify, you know, or back to the analogy of a house. You know, I like this kind of light fixture, you know, but I'm not going to get it today. I'm just designing the house. Yeah. That make- and it's a rele- yeah, I, I love it because it's a release to me. That's how I feel that this really is. This, it, this exercise helps you to release and pour out in a safe environment and when you it's sort of like way back before internet shopping i used to be a catalog girl and i love to circle things in the catalog and i would do this as a form of just release i would have a really hard day and i would come home and have all these catalogs i would just get them in the mail from everywhere and i would just sit down and i just start circling things in catalogs that i liked and you know, thinking that one day, one day, but the point of that for me was a way to, like you're saying, I would be building this house or what have you. I was just releasing and getting into a space where right now I can observe these things that make me feel happy. And I think with this deep sea diving, for me, taking this action and writing this out and saying that, you know, I would prefer, that is really me honoring me. That's a way that's to me self-talk on on steroids, really, because that's yeah. me honoring honoring me. It's like you are worthy of this now. And that's just all about me. Isn't that great? It's not all about how you feel. I was like, no, Draymond, you don't deserve it. I'm not giving you the opportunity to do that. Not in this space. I have just said I like this color blue and that's what it is. I, I love that. Yeah, exactly. It is honoring it, and and I like that prefer. I I love that language. I use that a lot. I would prefer, um, and I do want to mention that because I know we're we're going to be running out of time. Before I forget, so on my website there's a link to my Authenticity Architect course page, and I created a course 
during the quarantine time that's relevant forever for people called Go In, Not Out, Deepening Parts of Yourself. Um, I'm going to change it from COVID-19 to challenging times because I feel like everything in the course is going to be helpful no matter what as we move forward out of this pandemic, hopefully at some point, and um, into something else, whatever that looks like. But as I was saying, I think the important part is for every individual to really do their inner work. We're kind of like, um, Carolyn Mace calls it mystics without monasteries. You know, people like in the Dark Ages, um, St. John of the Cross went inward and because there was no external, he had no external control, and so they mystics went inward and really found their, their connection to themselves. And, um, you know, separate from religion, because I don't really like to talk about religion, but it's more our inner essence. You know, what is it we were born to be? I think that's our authentic self. So this course, Go In, Not Out, has PowerPoints and um, videos and handouts, and one of the handouts is the excavation exercise in there, and um, and it's free. And so I offered that up to people for free, and it's a lot, And um, but it's there and it's available. And then my daughter, who has a seven- and a five-year-old and is a school psychologist, teamed up with me to do the next course, which is called Moms in Real Life. We've been doing some moms in real life. We did an in-person one in Virginia Beach a few years ago together, and we've been wanting to do more online. So we also have been doing a Facebook Live every Friday at 11 uh, Mountain Time, which is 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And I think this Friday is going to be our last one. So people can, if they go to my Dr. Patty Ashley Facebook page and join that, um, you can join us on Fridays for this conversation. And then I'm creating my third course on the site, which is going to be on transforming grief and fear into love and grace, because I think we're all in a lot of grief right now with what's going on and the big changes in our lives. And um, that's going to launch in July. And there's a they're only $49, the Moms in Real Life and the grief course, but the Go In, Not Out course is free. Oh, I, I love that. And uh, we'll have to have you back on the show because you're right. There's so much to talk about and we're we're really moving along the hours not being our friend here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this tra- transforming grief and fear into love and grace, they all are sound like wonderful courses. But I think that is uh, so needed in this time because one of the fundamental principles that Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James is founded on is that everything that shows up in our life, absolutely everything, the good, the bad, and the in-between has shown up for one reason, that is to bow down and serve us as we consciously create our next level of greatness. And so if there is grief, if there is fear, and we know there's a lot of that going on in, in not only in our country, but across around the world right now, then that inner it's energy, right? It can be transformed into love and grace. And so sometimes we just need a coach, a guide to show us how to do that. Oftentimes we need a coach and a guide to show us how to do that. And so I'm so grateful that you have these resources available on your site that, um, so I'd say your site again, just in case someone didn't get a chance to write it down. My website is pattyashley.com and that's patty with an I, P-A-T-T-I-A-S-H-L-E-Y.com. And then there's links for the Authenticity Architects 
learning page on there, and then there's links to I can I do individual coaching over the phone or internet. You can sign up for that on the website. Um, there's a lot on my website. My books, my two books, my third book comes out in July. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and I want, I'm, I'm getting this sense in, in my life, in the season of my life, and I've been here for a long time, and maybe a lot of our listeners have been too, is that a little bit of help goes a long way. And so if there is someone listening right now and you're dealing with something, anything, lost due to the COVID-19, lost due to the violence that has erupted in our country, uh, lost job, loved one, whatever, health, it is great to get in contact with someone like Dr. Patty Ashley to have a shift in perspective, to get this full, so, so that you can live your best life, even in the midst of everything that's going on in our in our world. So I think that's so important that a little bit of help goes a long, long way. So when we, we are winding down on time. I do want to talk about a topic. As I mentioned, I shop these, when I'm having a guest on, I talk to everybody um, all week long about my upcoming guests. And one running theme that was presented to me in many different forms is the underlying feeling of shame that so many people have. And I got to tell you, I talk to men, I talk to women, I talk to uh, college age students and, you know, and there was this underlying theme of shame and that being something that people deal with on a regular basis. And how do they live their life knowing that they've made decisions in the past that have been not only harmful to them, but harmful to other people? How can they be live in their authentic, true self when they have all this shame? Yeah, well, you will definitely have me back on the show when that book comes out, because <laughs> to answer that in two minutes is, is a little tricky, but I'll do my best, because I could talk a long time about it. I think there's a, because obviously I just wrote my third book about it, there's a misunderstanding about the word shame in general, and I'm even I'm getting ready to write a blog that I'm going to call "I Should Be Ashamed of Myself for Writing a Book About Shame," because <laughs> people don't understand shame. They think, well, oh, she's got shame because she did something or he did something really, really bad, you know. And it's not about that at all. What they found in the neurobiology is it's very similar to trauma in terms of how the brain and the nervous system gets wired. Um, and it basically is, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. Brene Brown did great work making it mainstream when she came out with her TED Talk on vulnerability and shame, and, and, and she was on Netflix, and I love her. She's my hero. But her definition is that uh, feeling of being, shame is the feeling of being unworthy of love and belonging. And so I really feel like my work is really helping people feel worthy of love and belonging because we're all born worthy of love and belonging. And if we don't feel worthy of love, love and belonging, some wiring got crossed between the day we were born and wherever we are now. And so we want to uncross those wires. We want to rewire the brain and the nervous system into feeling enough. And when you were talking about your I'm enough on your board, on my website too, there's a page under products where I have a little character that I call my Nuff, and it's an N-U-F-F, and it says I am enough, and it's this cute little character that a friend of a friend of mine drew. And it's it's what I give to all my clients to put up on their bulletin board to remember that they are also are enough because when we go into play and laughter and things we enjoy doing and give ourselves permission to be authentic, we that's how we actually start to rewire the the 
the shame and the false self, as the listener earlier was talking about. Um, so we start with that. We start with, but it, it's not easy because we can't do it in our logical mind. It's in our somatic body memory. So when laughter and play and creativity and, you know, meditation and mindfulness and lots of different tools that are in my upcoming book. Oh, you are just amazing. And I love that. We do have just a few minutes later but left, but I do want to say laugh, play, and be creative. That's your work. That's your work today. How exciting is that? That's your homework for today. I want to also remind you that right now there is a free giveaway for you, the Everyday Peacemaker, because I absolutely love you. There's five steps to getting completely clear on your purpose and passions that's available just by emailing me at info at drdravonjames.com and just put in there in the title uh, subject line free gift and that is your free gift access to that today we learned so much about just being in this place of our authentic self it's a lot of work but you're worth the work and it's one step at a time as with everything great you know they say you eat an elephant one step at a time you create the perfect life journey for you one step at a time. And that's what we're here for together on this show with Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. It's all about being in this moment. Right? The point, I love how you said the, the point of power is now. Now is where we, is our most powerful moment. The fact that you've chosen to be here in this moment is not by accident. There's no chaos in the universe. You are meant to be here today to listen to this show, to this wonderful guest. So until next week, please be safe, stay well, and thank you for being an everyday peacemaker. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.